Welcome to another episode of the Bomb Podcast, the business of music breakdown, where we tackle the music industry and we come at it from all angles. And um, your host today, myself, Lucas de Beer and Helmut Mayer. And we are very honored and privileged to have on the show today the 2021 world champion of Toastmasters in public speaking, and that is Verity Price. Verity, good morning and welcome to the Bomb. Good morning, lovely to be here. Verity, this is yeah, it's it borders on intimidation because I mean, public speaking requires of us also to you know man up. <laughs> but um, before we get to the whole public speaking question, um, let's let's quickly hit it off since this podcast is about the uh, music industry and 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 literally about breaking down the various facets of the music business or the business of music. How did you get involved? in the music of business. Can, tell, can you tell us a little bit of that backstory? Absolutely. So I was the, the girl who was afraid of being on stage at school. I used to bunk assembly if I had to read the Bible. It was that bad for me. <laughs> so being on stage, performing, any of that was the last thing I was ever going to do. So I went to UCT to study psychology. And on my 20th birthday, out of nowhere, I was sitting at Nordic Beach contemplating being 20 and becoming a psychologist. You know, it was very deep. I was 20. And so I was sitting there thinking, and I just kept, words kept coming to me. And I thought, I don't know where these have come from, but I went and I found a piece of paper and I wrote them down and they were lyrics. And that was strange. I'd never done that before. And it was like someone switched on a tap and these lyrics just kept coming to me. Wow. Middle of the night, middle of the day, on the train, at Varsity, I just kept writing. So I knew that they needed to become songs. I didn't know who was going to do that because I was terrified, but a part of me knew it had to be me. So I started teaching myself to write music. And I did that all very quietly in my bedroom for a good 25, well, till I was 25, so five years. I was terrified of letting anyone hear my stuff. And then eventually it got more uncomfortable to not follow my dreams than to actually just step out my comfort zone and follow them. So I started performing and uh, singing professionally when I was, still, still took another few years at about 27. And uh, the, the big change for me in the music industry was when I ran a crowdfunding project asking people to buy an album I hadn't recorded. And that was when I, I realized there are more letters in the word business than there are in music, and that's what you should focus on. Wow. <laughs> Wait a moment. I have a, I have a question. Did, do you play piano or guitar or anything? I mean, because you wrote lyrics, that's poetry before it becomes, <laughs> you know, before yeah. it becomes... Ah. But when there's a chorus, when your poem has got a chorus, you know that you've written a song. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> when there's so repetition I, in your I poem. I do play the piano. I'm a, I'm a piano player. Oh, good. Okay. Um, and the whole process then, Verity, you say start uh, crowdfunding. And you kind of did this before it was like something, before it was a thing. How did that go? Yeah, it was. So it was back in 2005. Uh, Facebook hadn't even come out in South Africa yet. But I, you know, I didn't have the 300,000 rand I needed to record my album. I was wanting to work with Brian O'Shea. I'd got quotes of, you know, how much Watershed had paid. I, I'd done all my research and I was like, whoa, this is not going to happen for me. And I had a coffee with my sister Kay. We were trying to brainstorm how do I how do I raise this money? I don't want to go into debt. South African music wasn't really selling at that point. And uh, 
we just realized that I was asking the wrong question because I was just like, you know, why don't I have the money? Why doesn't South African music sell? And then I said, how can I record this album without going into debt? So, mm. you know, the nature of your question determines the nature of your thinking. And when I asked that new question, we suddenly started brainstorming and we came up with this idea of asking people to buy my album before I recorded it, to replace a record label, to create the album with me, tell me what songs I should record, tell me what to name the album. And then we said, well, we'll put their name in the artwork of the album. We'll put their names on my website and we'll give 10% to charity while we're doing this. And it was a crazy idea because no one had ever done it before. But when I put it out there, Two, two quite interesting things happened. Everyone in the music industry said, Verity, that's not going to work. That's not how music is funded. And I got very little support from the industry, surprisingly. And everyone who wasn't in the music industry said, well, that's crazy. Why not? Here's 150 bucks. Let's make this album happen. Wow. So it, it really was an interesting experience. And we sold 2,000 copies of nothing in 25 countries. <laughs> and did that, did that eventually fund the whole project? Yes. So we raised over 300,000 Rand. I was also, a lot of sponsorship came through. My posters were sponsored. People helped with the postage costs. I mean, I believe it. what do you want to call them? Fans or civilians? You can choose. People heard what I was doing. And I mean, the one gentleman came up to me after a gig and said, I'd like to, you know, buy a future copy of your album. So I said, oh, thank you. That's 150 Rand. And I handed him the album and he handed me a check and I looked at it and it was 15,000 Rand. And I said, you've made a mistake. And he said, no, no, I haven't made a mistake. I love what you're doing. Just go out and do that. So it was extraordinary seeing how people could get behind an idea that they were inspired by and help me make it a reality. And you, oh, wow, that's great uh, <laughs> insights. And what a beautiful, inspiring story. Um, you said something earlier, Verity, that at 20, the lyrics be began to come to you but at 25 only you kind of decided um let me do this i'm just curious what for you was the tipping point what made you go you know what i'm going to do this mm. that was not a great tipping point and and i think for a lot of people big changes happen when when difficult things happen in our lives and it was my dad dying my dad died when i was 24 sure and it was very unexpected and i thought we had a lot more time and that got me thinking that life is short, it's fragile, it's fleeting, you don't know how long you've got. And did I want to get to the end of my life and have this long list of things I'd never done because I was afraid. And so I, that's what gave me the courage. And the, the first step I took was to take a million steps of walking 500 miles across Spain in his memory. I left six months after he died and I walked the Camino to Santiago de Compostela. I needed to prove to myself that I could set my mind to something and do it and conquer my fears of being alone in a foreign country. And after I'd done that, I came back and I was like, singing, I can do that. That's fine. Like <laughs> That's not going to give me blisters. It's not going to get me lost. It's much easier than, <laughs> than trying to get a country with a backpack. So, so that was the tipping point for me was losing my dad, walking a, a pilgrimage in his memory and then coming home and saying, Life's too short not to give it, give it a shot. Wow, that is incredible, Verity. You 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 mentioned on your website that you've become far more famous for the way you think differently than for your singing. Now I want to do a quick link to that because I actually think this is a, even just the quote is completely inspiring. But um, is there something 
that comes to mind when you, when you think of thinking differently that could um, link towards the whole thing of building the bridge between getting on stage and putting yourself out there? Is there a link for you between that? In other words, let's, let's tap into the whole fear fear of public performance. Is, is yeah, the, so I think there is there is it's it's how you think about anything changes your experience of it, and for me all those years of being afraid of being on stage, it was because I was thinking of it from a perspective of humiliation, of shame, of getting it wrong, of people judging me. And it wasn't based on nothing. I'd been bullied at school when I got the lead in a school play and I'd, I'd associated doing well and being on stage with not being popular. So I had started playing a small game and become really shy. The, the change that happened for me when I started singing and I still, I mean, I would, be like this for a week, I would feel ill and shaky and nervous. And then I think it was when I started really focusing on what am I trying to say with my songs? What is the message that I'm trying to share through my music? And when I focused on the message more than myself, that helped me get through a lot of the nerves. So I had to change the way I thought about what I was doing and, and how I thought about an audience because an audience can look like a really intimidating thing but if you actually go, this thing is made up of individual people with individual dreams and goals and hopes, and you know they're gonna connect with what you're singing about. Then I started singing to that person and that person and that person, and that changed that changed my experience. So I do think you've got to shift the way you think about things you're afraid of, and and frame them in a more positive way. I don't know if that answers your question. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna just jump forward and then we come back again are you still singing curiously at the end of a keynote i still sing at the end of a keynote so i speak professionally and when i'm at big conferences or if i'm emceeing big conferences it's quite a fun thing to be able to throw something in like a song so you get the audience yeah but in terms of you know working professionally as a musician i stopped about 10 years ago and that wasn't easy i didn't choose to stop i just suddenly realized i had because i was getting more work as a speaker and as a facilitator helping people think more creatively being more innovative in their businesses and i suddenly realized that the music had just kind of faded off into the distance but and that was hard for me but the the lesson i learned there and i think this is important for anyone that is pursuing big dreams is i had huge dreams i wanted to tour the world top the charts be interviewed on oprah i wanted to do it all and I gave it everything and I did the crowdfunding, you know, to give it everything. And I, I was quite put out that all the media wanted to focus on was the innovation and the thinking. And I was being invited to speak at big conferences. And I'd say, great, can I bring my band? And they'd say, no, we just want to hear about how to think differently. I was like, that wasn't my plan. That's not what I'm trying to do. And at some point I, I had a realization that your ego sometimes has one vision for your life and my ego wanted me to be a famous pop star and my soul had a different vision and and my soul was like no you're meant to help people shift their lives shift their thinking do things differently and i thought i was going to do that through song but actually i ended up doing it through sharing my journey and the lessons i'd learned sure fabulous i love it <laughs> um as as i'm listening to you um verity you it sounds to me like you ask yourself questions a lot, like, you know, what is it that I want? How am I going to do it? And you said something earlier, um, I can't recall exactly what it was about questions. 
Um, how do you find that you can ask yourself the right questions or the correct questions? How, how do you get to that point? That is such a great question <laughs> and it's a great insight because I think I have been someone who does stop and, and ask questions about what's happening in my life. It's also how I try to take responsibility for where I am because, and, and so you have to really look at the questions you ask. Often when we ask why, we're interrogating what is or we're complaining. We're trying to understand, but sometimes we're coming from a place of like, why is this happening to me rather than how can I change what's happening? So when you ask a question starting with how, that means you have the intention to move forward in your life. How can I change this? How can I do this differently? How can I raise the money? When you ask those questions, that's when your life starts moving forward. Why is good? You know, why do we do it this way? Why don't we do it a different way? That's also good for interrogating something. But to move forward, you have to ask how. So for me, questions are fundamental. And often if I'm stuck in a bit of a loop and I'm feeling sorry for myself, it's because I've stopped asking the right question. So as I said earlier, the nature of your question determines the nature of your thinking and the quality of your thinking determines the quality of your life. So start asking good questions. But I would also just like to say, okay, so asking good questions is one thing, but you have to have an inner drive of something um, positive, optimistic, to actually steer your questions. I mean, I mean, people out there don't just go about, about asking good questions. People, I don't, I don't think they ask any questions or they ask the wrong questions. But anyway, optimism seems to be one of the themes that runs through your website. Um, do you believe that's important for people in general just to be positive? And how did that impact you? 100%. So the, the science behind optimism and when you look into the science of happiness and positive psychology, the results or the case for optimism and positivity is strong. You know, they, they look across the world at the results people are getting and people who are operating from a positive perspective are 40% more likely to get promoted, 40% more likely to live longer. They're 37% better at sales. You know, there's all sorts of amazing numbers that make you go, oh, okay, this is a good case for why I should be optimistic. doesn't mean it's easy because life is hard and the reason I'm so passionate about it is I'm someone who has suffered from depression. I have depression in my family, anxiety. So it's a bit like having diabetes in your genes. You just have to go, that's what I deal with. And so the reason I do the work I do is because through my music, through it not working out, through me having to make peace with things not looking the way I thought they should, I had to learn how to get happy and optimistic despite my circumstances. And I think that's the challenge for all of us because we live under the illusion that if that happens, then I'll be happy. Mm. And unfortunately, whatever version you take yourself to, whatever success you think is gonna make the difference, that version is gonna be the one that shows up. So rather get happy here while you're moving towards the success you want and arrive there happy, fulfilled, not needing the success to define how you feel about yourself. And that's been my tug of war in life because I had a lot of things that I was like, if I can be a singer, if I can meet my partner, if I can get married, if I can have a child, then I'll be happy. Well, you just find other things to be stressed about when those things happen. So rather get happy now. So that is why I'm so passionate about it. Yeah, it's incredible. Verity, this is interesting. Um, you know, most people um, 
would rather die than get up on a stage and speak to people. They say that's one of the biggest fears in, in the world, it's public speaking. Yeah. Um, but, but here we have the, the privilege of speaking to you today, the world champion in public speaking. So, and you mentioned the more things you get involved in, the more your focus goes in different directions. But I'm curious, when you get on stage, what are you focusing on or what helps you to to kind of have a single focus then? So there's a quote, and I need to find out who said it. And they said, uh, average speakers worry about themselves. Good speakers worry about their message. Great speakers worry about their audience. And for me, when I get on stage, I try to make it all about my audience. So even though I'm sharing my personal stories, my lessons, mm. I am focusing on it being for them. And that's, that's what I focus on. I focus on the people that are making eye contact with me that we're having a conversation with. And I'm there to give them a message that's changed my life, but that is hopefully relevant for them. So that really helps me to focus on that one thing, which is the one person that it's going to make a difference to. And you never know who that person is. It's the same with, with mm. music. You know, you think your song or your message in your song is landing in a certain way. And then a fan comes up to you and goes, oh, this means this to me. And you have to go, wow. That's not what I meant it to mean, but if that's what it means, that's what it needs to be for you. So I just focus on my audience and making sure that I'm adding value to them. Wow, profound. Verity, the higher one climbs the ladder, I, I believe it becomes more and more isolated, um, taking that for granted. And I think you being on a, on a form of very uh, um, exclusive podium at the moment, how do you... How do you manage your support structure? How how do you stay supported as an uh, as a champion on this level? It's so it's so interesting. I worked so hard to win this contest and I went into it with crystal clear focus that I had a feeling that I that I could win it this year and I don't know where that came from but clearly it was right. So I'm so glad I listened. But I hadn't thought, and I think this is often, we don't think about what happens after I achieve something. And my sister's always that person goes, have you thought about what will happen if you win? And I was like, oh, well, let's worry about that when we get there. But when I did win, there was a few things that happened that I that I didn't expect. I, I, I knew that whoever won, this is a big thing, but I had no idea how much suddenly starts coming at you and from all around the world, and you've got to manage that. But the best part was suddenly I got welcomed into this little circle of champions. There's 80 people who've won this contest in 80 years, and there's probably about 40 of them that are still very active. And just to feel that I was embraced into this new community that up until I heard I was a champion was like this hallowed ground. Yeah. They're just ordinary, normal, wonderful human beings. And they welcome you in and, you know, said, let me have a call with you. I'm going to tell you what to expect. This is what you shouldn't do. Try this. So I've got that support structure. And then my family and my friends, nothing changes. You know, you, you get a title. And I think we often think that that means you are different, but I'm still me. I had to change a dirty nappy shortly after hearing I was world champion you know life is real yeah. and uh, I've got the the same structures that were in place before I'm just having to manage the volume of work and requests a little bit better but I have incredible support from my Toastmasters community as well Incredible, wow, fantastic Verity so I, I see time wise we let's land this we got about two questions left 
Um, and it's so great just to hear from you and, and the insights and the wisdom that you're sharing um, on this podcast today. Um, I, a question that I have around calling and adhering the call that you sense in your life. I was wondering, do you maybe have any thoughts around that? What happens if you do pursue the call or what's going to happen if you don't? Maybe just your thoughts around that. So, quarter past four on my 20th birthday, at the exact time I was born, I wrote my first song and it woke up this dream that I could share it with the world. And it was a calling. It, it came to me and it was, I, and I, it was hard to follow it. But I know that for the five years I kept writing, kept dreaming and not doing, I got more and more unhappy and more and more frustrated. So I think that's what happens when you don't listen. It just starts eating away at you. When I did listen, there was still a lot of hard work that had to happen. And that was also frustrating because I was going, well, where's my get out of jail free card? Because I've now listened. But life doesn't work like that. You have to show up and you have to keep showing up. And then that calling changed, although it didn't. My songs were about helping people become more. My talks are about helping people come more. My strategy sessions are about helping people come more. So the calling stayed the same. The application that I do it through changed. But when I listened to what was coming easily, because the music industry was hard, I felt like I was rowing upstream. Mm. The speaking, the facilitating just kept coming to me, even though I was a singer who was now in corporate South Africa. It was like, how did that happen? But when I listened and I kept listening and I kept showing up with grace, life, life flowed. So I do believe that we need to listen to the things that are, are trying to get our attention from deep inside of us, those little voices that want to do something in the world. And then show up and trust the feedback that you're getting and see where it takes you. Sure. Good stuff. I almost don't want to ask the last question because you've, you've given us so much nuggets to think about and ponder over. But is there something that you can leave, a, a, a nugget of wisdom to musicians out there, and since this podcast is about the business of music and the breakdown thereof, what, what word of wisdom can you leave um, with the aspiring champions out there? <laughs> It was something, and I, I mentioned it earlier, but when someone said it to me, it really made, it had a huge impact that in the music business, there are more letters in the word business than there are in music. So that is what needs a lot of focus. Now, if that's not your talent, make sure you have someone with you that is focusing on the business because you can have the most exceptional music, but without a business element to get it out to the audience, how will they know that you're there? So it's having that balance of the creative and the rational together that I think really can help. And, and I look at musicians I played with, Dominic Peters was in my first band and I watched him go from Breakfast Included to Goldfish. And I used to sit at his early gigs, but when I looked at him and Dave, they ran the business side of exceptional music exceptionally well and you can't just focus on the music you do need both so that would be my advice and my encouragement is focus in on the on the business and go how can i stand out in an interesting way over and above the music that i'm creating wow fabulous i wanted to do a mic drop but they're quite expensive so i won't <laughs> 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 not this one <laughs> 
But that was a mic drop. Um, Verity Price, thank you so much for your time mm. today. We really um, so thankful that, that, that we could have listened to you and the insight and the wisdom that you so easily share. Uh, thank you for that. And um, maybe we'll get you on, on the bomb again soon. Uh, and maybe that time you can sing us a song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Verity, from well, my thank side. You thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. From my side also, um, thank you very much. And then from Stoneberry Mayer, the Bomb Podcast, your host, Lucas Tabir, Hamid Mayer, and myself. Thank you very much. If you like this, please tap the button, subscribe, and share this. And let's uh, keep on raising champions in the music. Yeah, down. <laughs> thank you very much, Verity, again. And guys, have a good day. Speed.